0: Hi, I'm Heather Erb, and I host the Shine.fm MomCast. It's specifically for moms. Couldn't we all just use a little extra bit of encouragement, maybe a little tidbit of wisdom or just a different perspective on how moms are doing things these days? Definitely encourage you to check out the MomCast. You can search for us on Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere where you listen to your podcast. Just search for Shine.fm Podcasts. Is what brings us together today. Marriage, that blessed arrangement, that dream within our dreams. Hey, it's Charlie, and you're listening to the Encouragers United Podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks so much for joining me on the Encouragers United podcast. For this week, I've got a bonus episode. You know, I'm going to pull out six different uh, disciplines, six different things that you can do to help build your marriage or a significant relationship that you have. You know, it's Valentine's Day. I had to do it. But I was reading an article. It's actually, I'll give credit to Tammy Meyer back in 2015 on the website Start Marriage Right. She wrote a blog post that said uh, she outlined 10 powerful ways to build your marriage. And it got me thinking uh, these foundational things that we can do that would build our marriage. To help build a relationship over time right these are just simple tips one sentence little nuggets of practical advice that I uh, with some resource from Tammy back in 2015 uh, I'm gonna bring out six things you'll want to stick around for the sixth one because it's a really powerful thing that you can do so are you ready here's number one don't use sarcasm yeah right No, really, I'm serious. Sarcasm is this nasty attitude that's dressed up in seemingly decent words, right? It's not the best way to communicate what you actually feel to your spouse. It seems and feels like an underhanded comment, right? You may do that in normal life just to be funny or to, you know, poke fun at someone or, or to rib them about something that you'd like them to understand. But it's really not the best use of words in a marriage or in a really strong, close relationship, right? How best to tell the truth is with calm, compassion, and with honesty, right? We need to refrain from using words like always and never, which have this tone of sarcasm. And if we're vigilant and never taking the first step of sarcasm with our partner, then we're gonna prevent a multitude of hurt feelings and painful regrets both my wife and I entered our marriage 27 years ago by the way with a sharp tongue from our siblings right in growing up and we were quick with the passionate verbal attack but thankfully very early on we led each other into this uh, adoption of this no sarcasm policy and ever since then our 27 years of marriage have been blessed by this effective muzzle on our hearts And this policy has kept our tongues in check. A wonderful verse I want you to consider. 1 Peter 3, 8 and 9 says, "'Finally, all of you, have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind.'" Uh, And then verse nine, it says, "'Do not repay evil for evil, or reviling for reviling, "'but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called.'" that you may obtain a blessing. So we're going to be a blessing to our spouse. We're not going to try to undercut them with sarcasm. Here's number two. Remember your manners. Are you seemingly more polite with your boss or a pastor or even strangers on the street than you are with your own spouse? You got to raise your level of courtesy within your marriage and never forget to put on your best face, put on your best clothes, take a shower, clean yourself up. Raise the level of the friendship and the enjoyment that you have with your partner by sh- by showing them respect, right? People sometimes get the twisted notion that being in love means spewing our unfiltered thoughts and our unguarded words to, to our spouse. They need to take it, right? Because they're, they're our confidant. They're, they love me just the way I am. Well, marriage is not a relationship license for you to be sloppy. We love each other, certainly, but we expect the best of each other right? And so in my marriage, I see it as a relationship responsibility to take good care of myself, to eat well, to exercise, to take a shower and clean up, make myself uh, more presentable. Um, surely you can let down your hair. You can let it all hang out and be yourself with your spouse. Relax. Yes. Be genuine, of course, but to be rude or dismissive. Never, never would you do that to the person who's the closest to you. At the core of good manners is simple respect. And when you saturate your marriage with respectful behaviors, you suffocate any irritations and hurts or disagreements that you might have. If you'll put on your fine china manners with your spouse, not only they will feel special, but you will then enjoy some delights of honor and esteem between the two of you. It takes me back to the passage of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, right? We all know that. It's called the love chapter. And in verses four and five, it simply says, love is not rude. It does not insist on having its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. You see, sometimes with our, with our marriage partner, with our spouse, we get we let our guard down. And of course they love us and they accept us the way we are but they want us to be our best selves. Here's number three, become fluent in the love language of your spouse. Did you realize that your spouse has one particular language in which he or she best communicates their love? Uh, It's based on a book by Gary Chapman. Everybody remembers this, right? I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, The Five Love Languages is one of the most helpful books on marriage that I've ever read. And if you aren't familiar with it, the five love languages are acts of service, words of affirmation, quality time, gift giving, and physical touch. So for instance, if your husband's uh, love language is acts of service, ladies, you can give him a hundred handwritten cards or a voicemail or a text of profound declarations of your encouragement and your love. But he will not actually really feel as loved until you help him in the yard or run an errand for him, cook a meal for him, do his laundry. Likewise, guys, if your wife's love language is quality time, you can wash her car and take out the trash and you can offer to do her laundry all you want. But if she does not feel um, love in that particular way, you need to sit across from her linger over a cup of coffee or tea with her and just look into her eyes and listen presenting yourself as a friend to spend quality time see chances are that your spouse's primary love language is probably not your own and it's important not only to speak your spouse's love language but also listen to that language when they're expressing it to you translate for yourself what they're trying to do to show you love, and you're gonna discover that that person is probably trying to communicate their love to you in their love language. And it takes just one of you to become what I call bilingual, right? To communicate love effectively in a couple different channels. Someone may need to step up and reach across that gap. How about you? To get the communication going, you need to see how they receive love best and how they communicate love best. Gary Chapman's book is a classic. I highly recommend it to you, and it could change your marriage dramatically if you, do, if you don't, are not aware of these principles. Here we go, number four. Don't assume your spouse's motivation or their intent for what they're doing. You see, we may think we know exactly why our spouse did what he or she did to us, but God's, God warns us not to go that far because only God knows their heart. And when you think that, ladies, when he shows up late again, that it was just to annoy you, or when you think, guys, that she's giving you instructions on how to drive in the car again, just to spite you, reject that condemning thought and choose to believe the best about that person. If you need to deal with a certain behavior, then go ahead and do that. But don't drag their motivations into it. Just deal with the incident. You see, your interactions will be much more pleasant and much more productive if you don't try to guess why they did what they did. Assuming the wrong motives about somebody can quickly become a bad and dangerous habit, and it hurts their feelings. hurts my feelings. Think about it. If you were misunderstood, it costs us energy and misery of this inner stewing and battling over that intent. However, if you develop the habit of assuming the best about your spouse's intentions, then you're gonna be incredibly blessed. You'll think more clearly. You'll be able to enjoy your friendship even more. I dare you to give it a try for just 30 days. Don't jump to those conclusions. And if you'll do that for 30 days straight, I doubt you'll ever go back. Here's number five. Don't correct your spouse in public, especially. Don't correct your spouse. Avoid to set them straight, right? don't correct your spouse unless it's really, really important. Does it really matter to others who are listening to your wife that the vacation was um, two weeks long or 10 days long? People probably don't care about those specifics of your spouse's story, but they will remember the fact that you continually corrected her, even embarrassed her in front of everybody. You see, even in private, I'm very slow to correct my wife, Wendy, unless I know that she really would appreciate it at that moment. And many times the details are just not important, but your relationship is always more important than those details. You see, I read in James chapter 1, verse 19, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry that's a great policy to take into uh, dealing with your spouse in situations that really don't need to be corrected All right, you're still with me here's number six and this was very profound for me and I really really appreciate it I hope it encourages you number six make and accept the bids in your relationship B-I-D-S bids I want to tell you a story Dr. John Gottman is known around the world for his 40 years of extensive research on marriage and relationships. About 25 years ago he began watching and recording the daily interactions of conversations of hundreds of married couples. He expected to see successful couples involved in countless small examples of self-disclosure and personal sharing, but what he discovered though was not what we expect. Successful couples spent most of their time actually talking about ordinary things that seemed to make no difference to anyone at all, such as breakfast cereals and mortgage rates or an occasional baseball game. But they rarely talked about their deep inner feelings on a daily basis. Here's what was important. The successful couples that he observed made bids and they responded to those bids back and forth. Bids. What he means by that is that there's any type of invitation to connect, such as a comment, or a touch, or even just a glance, a look. After one person makes the bid, the spouse then accepts that bid by some type of positive response. Again, it it can be simple. It was a comment, a gesture, or even a facial expression. You observe that couples who are the most happy together for long periods of time are making countless bids back and forth with each other, accepting each other's bids and building upon that in the relationship. You see, their bids often looked remarkably inconsequential, but it doesn't matter. What matters is that the bid was there, it was offered, and it was accepted. For example, Perhaps your spouse remarks one morning as she's looking out the window that she sees a beautiful cardinal, a red bird, sitting on the back fence. And if you're eating your breakfast and you take time to look out the window and see the bird for yourself, you're accepting her bid. And then you comment that that's a pretty bird or building, uh, you know, a conversation about what type of bird it is. You're building your marriage. However, the opposite of that is if you ignore the comment, you ignore the bird you respond harshly, or you grunt and keep drinking your coffee, you're refusing that bid, and you're just causing a little micro damage in the marriage. And day after day, as couples create, offer, and respond to these bids, offering and accepting each other's connections, they're actually knitting together a very strong relationship. And each interaction, albeit that small, is very powerful when they're woven together on top of each other. And likewise, a series of refused bids or rejected bids. However small, they become a very destructive force in the marriage. Responding to bids is so significant that Dr. Gottman learned that he could predict with a very high accuracy the success or failure of a relationship by just this one factor. And just as birds build their nests one little bit by bit, you and I can build our marriages bid by bid, giving and responding. Well, there you have it. There's six great practical ways that you can build your marriage. And I hope you've been encouraged today. You know, it's Valentine's Day coming up. And if you're married, I hope that this holiday gives you a great chance to reinforce your love and your care for your spouse. February is a super busy month for the Grimes house. It always has been in our life. My wife's birthday is in February, Valentine's Day of course, as well as two of our daughters have birthdays all in February. It's a great month for dad to share his love and to encourage uh, everyone around him. I hope this has inspired you to start where you are, take what you have and do what you can. And you know what? For those of you who are country music fans, I'll send you out with a great brand new song written by a new up-and-coming country artist named Cooper Allen. Here's his new single dedicated to his parents, and it's called Tough Ones. Gonna be the strong ones, still standing when the hail comes, still running when the well runs dry, still believing when the sun don't shine, ain't afraid Be the tough ones, yeah, the tough ones. Thanks for listening. This has been another episode of the Encouragers United Podcast with me, Charlie Grimes. I would love for you to do me a favor and leave a comment and a rating for this podcast. It means more to me than you know because that's how people are alerted about the Encouragers United podcast. I invite you to simply let me know how I'm doing and that refers others to listen as well. I appreciate and read every one of your comments and I'm trying to make the show better and better each week. For more information and to connect with optimistic, enthusiastic leaders all over the world, be sure to search for Encouragers United on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram or visit my website, charlesrgrimes.com.